We didn't actually say it together that time. Let's try the start again, shall we? Hello! Hello! Welcome to my first time. I'm Mary Jo Smith. No, I think you need to do it again. Okay. (laughs) That was weird. Please leave all of this in. Wait, I don't even have a microphone in front of me. What is happening? I'm sorry, I just walked in. All right, here we go. Hello! Welcome to my first time. I'm Mary Jo Smith. I'm Colleen Smith. No No relation. relation. With us, as always, is Ian Smith. Here I am. Not related to me. But related to me. Mm-hmm. And tonight, yes. um, our guests include our co-producer, T. Chick McClure, who does Hello. all the fantastic photography for the website. Yes. Uh, pre- back practically related to me. We're engaged. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're engaged. Yeah. yeah. For a really long time. Uh, and um, Barbara Abling, whose uh, maiden name is Smith, because she's related to me. But not to me. She's my sister. Barbara Abling, Dr. Barbara Abling. Uh, well, a lot of nepotism happening in this episode. I know, this is really crazy. You need to put your microphone in front of you, too. Okay. Right. Yes, ma'am. All right, right so before we start, um, we're just going to go around the table. I didn't do my whole thing. No. So we'll cut this out. But um, just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit of fun fact about you. Uh, hello, I'm T. Chick McClure. I um, moved around a lot as a child, and I um, <laughs> want to scrap that. Hello, I'm T. Chick McClure. I have a strong appreciation for 70s muscle cars. You really do. I do. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I'm Barbara Abling. I am um, Mary Jo's sister. I mean, really need I say more, but um, no, I'm a a, um, labor and delivery nurse and a mom and a researcher and I think that's enough. And a doctor. And a doctor. I'll say it. She just got her degree. And so did your oh, sister nice. just yeah. to her doctorate. So two doctors at the in table. What? Sisters are doctors. I have a PhD in nursing science healthcare leadership. Nice. Awesome. You're a teacher? Nope. I am researcher. I like data, not people. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know what you like. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, the first time I worked abroad or I traveled for work. Traveled for work. It could be in this country. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go first, I believe. Yes, you are. Okay. So, uh, ironically, and this, this podcast will be out, it'll be too late for you to go to do this, but tomorrow um, I am going to go to North Hollywood, to the Hollywood Horror Festival, Ooh. where they are giving Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, the Lifetime Achievement Award <gasps> for, you know, for Horror Fest, and they're going to screen Elvira's Haunted Hills, which was a movie released in 2001. Um, starring Elvira and a bunch of other people. Uh, it was starring Richard O'Brien, who most of you would know because he created Rocky Horror Picture Show and played Riff. Yes, I know. My sister's getting very excited because she once got arrested for taking off too many I clothes in a Rocky Horror Picture Show. I wasn't arrested. I was Picture. only interviewed. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, it's a whole other story. Mary Shear, who's a very funny and talented actress, who I know through the Growlings. Um, Scott Atkinson, very funny actor. Heather Hopper. And myself. Yay. I was in the movie. I played Zuzu. Um, Elvira's uh, French maid. So I'm going to go walk the red carpet. They're going to screen the movie and they're going to do a Q&A for, I'm sure, just a whole bunch of um, horror fanboys, which I can't wait. Um, so this story is about going to make this movie. So um, this movie was shot in Romania and Elvira, who is, um, for those of you who don't know, the actress who plays Elvira is a woman named Cassandra Peterson. She's fantastic. Um, she still today plays Elvira all over the world, and Elvira is still like this huge uh, 
popular character. And many people don't know this, but Elvira was created at the Groundlings around the same time that Pee Wee Herman was created also at the Groundlings. Uh, Cassandra and Paul Rubens, who plays Pee Wee Herman, who is Pee Wee Herman, came up together and they used to do this midnight show. It was very uh, risque and people would line up around the block to see these two characters, Pee Wee Herman and um, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And they were both very um, exaggerated characters in their own way. And both of them turned both of those their own characters into this huge uh, you know, career for Elvira. So um, I was very lucky enough to get to a part in this movie. So the movie was shot in Romania. Elvira Cassandra paid for this movie herself. She bankrolled this movie. She produced this movie. She co-wrote this movie. She cast this movie. Like this was her project. And uh, so we shot at Media Pro Studios, which is a bona fide uh, movie studio in Bufta, which is about 20 minutes north of Bucharest, which is the capital of Romania. And I'll say this very quickly about Romania. I just love it. I think it's an amazing country. It's got sort of everything. Bucharest is this really big, beautiful city. Um, it's got the Carpathian Mountains, which includes Transylvania, which is like this is the birthplace of Vlad the Impaler, aka Dracula. Um, and the Danube runs through it, and the Black Sea, Romania is on the, on the Black Sea. Like, it's just, it's just Constantinople, which is this resort town. It's just an amazing um, country. But it's also a very poor country, or it's very um, financially divided, right? So there's a 1% there's a, a and uh, the rest of the country, much like the United States today. Um, <laughs> And uh, I knew nothing about Romania before I went there. All I knew was uh, they seemed to have a lot of gymnastics that they <laughs> very successful. And Dracula. Like, those. that's really all I knew. I knew Dracula and Nadia Comaneci. That was pretty much it. Um, and uh, I, I really fell in love with Romania. But I, I'll talk about sort of the making of this movie. So, well, two things. So the night that I arrived, when we... When we got there, um, and I flew by myself, well, I mean, not that that's a big deal, but I, I arrived in Romania, like, again, like, just, I don't know idea what to expect, and so you sort of have that weird out-of-body experience of, like, I don't know where I am, I'm in here, I know where I am, but I have no um, co context, I don't know anyone here, I, you know, nothing. Um, and I got picked up by this car who um, drove to this hotel where they were, uh, housing the whole cast and the director, who's Sam Irvin, who's this wonderful man. The house used to be a palace, um, uh, Palat de Sturbe, and uh, this big, beautiful, gothic palace um, on this huge piece of property that includes like a little chapel and like horse stables, like this huge, centuries-old um, uh, grand piece of property and, and house and whatever. And much like Romania, this house was the perfect combination of grandiose and falling apart. <laughs> you know, it's like beautiful architecture and like these beautiful floor to ceiling blood red drapes in the dining room, but if you bumped into them, dust would just come building <laughs> off of them. And the carpets were really threadbare, but the place was amazing. And my bedroom was once a princess's bedroom, my, my hotel room, and I was, imp I was just like, for somebody who likes old houses and old buildings, I was in love the moment I walked into this hotel. And um, the guy that took my suitcases uh, was this um, guy named Christy, and uh, Christian Pohwatsa. And he was so cute and um, 
he like said you know he spoke very little english well he spoke he did he spoke english but at the time he didn't let on that he spoke english <laughs> and he they took my passport which made me very nervous so i was like what are you going to do they're going to put it in the safe so no oh, okay. one steals it i'm like but what if you steal it i don't know what's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they took my passport and then um, they took my suitcase up and showed me the room and uh, I was just, I just loved it, and it was so beautiful. It had this this incredible ceiling. The ceiling in the bedroom was like hand painted and had all this ornate carved wood, and then the windows were huge and tile work. And um, the house was probably built in like, mm, I don't know. I'm gonna take a guess, and I'm probably gonna be wrong, but I'm gonna guess probably 1700. So this is an old piece of property. And in the rooms, the heaters are these big gas built into the. Um, wall they're not heaters they're like they're like ovens they're just these huge things that just emit heat out of the tile so they're like lit down below and the heat just emanates out into the room and uh the um the bed was like this huge sort of ornate i mean the furniture is old and there's like drapery hanging and it's just like this beautiful room and i can't believe it and you look out the window and it's like and oh and it was winter so i arrived there like maybe three or four days before thanksgiving so oh, it was cool. cold, it was, okay. and so the trees are bare, so you look out the window, and it looks like, because we're there to shoot a horror film, and it takes place in Transylvania, and you know, whatever, and so a lot of it was outside, and we'll get to that. I'm going to have to hurry. Um, <laughs> this, this story could go on forever. Um, so the first night, I, I, I'm one of the first talent to arrive, so Mary Shear and like the other guys that have, haven't arrived yet, and I can't wait to meet um, Riff. From a Rocky Horror Picture Show, like I can't wait. Riff Raff. Riff Raff, thank you. Uh, Riff is friends. No, Riff Raff, you're right. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, I, but that night I like I go down to the kitchen or to the dining room, and I order some soup and some toast. And the same guy who like checked me in wouldn't wouldn't take my order unless I to was able to tell him what I wanted in Romanian. So like immediately my education started. So he's trying to teach me how to say soup and toast and whatever. So I was like, this is going to be really fun. Plus, he's so cute. Um, <laughs> and, um, like, he's this beautiful... So Romania is, like, at one point, it's been occupied by so many different um, countries. And mm -hmm. so it's got a very German influence. There's, like, schnitzel on the menu all the time and things like that. But it's also a very Roman influence. Uh, obviously, Romania. Um, their language, it's a Latin... The Romanian language is very similar to Italian. And, it's, in fact, some words are identical, like Buonasera is good night is in both languages the same so very similar so and i don't speak italian either but you know like you start to you, you can figure it out if you know some spanish or whatever you can sort of figure out what's being said and so i was excited so and he was telling me that there was a wedding happening that night and you could look out and there was this like amazing wedding party set up and this bride and whatever and i was like oh that's so sweet so i went to bed at like at midnight <laughs> Um, I wake up and it's just loud music, boom, 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 and people screaming and fireworks going off. And I was like, what is happening? And I called down to the front desk and they were like, oh, it's the wedding party. And I was like, well, when is the, and this is all in broken English. Like the person answering the phone barely speaks any English. And I was a bitch. I was like, this is a hotel and I'm an American. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm no. sure I did. And oh, I was no, like, I hope not. I'm sure I did. Oh. And uh, I was, cause, well, I should say, like, well, that wasn't my first call. I kept calling 
calling. It, it escalated. So my first call, I was just like, hi, could you just, you know, like, turn down the music or whatever. Second call, like, it's 2.30 in the morning. Like, when is this going to end? And the woman on the other end of the phone barely spoke any English, and she was just like, yes, of course. And then she would hang up and do nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this went on and on. It's now 5 o'clock in the morning, wow. and I'm flipping out. I'm, like, so tired. I can't sleep. It's so loud. Um, and... Uh, all of this to say that that night I went through like a metamorphosis because what I realized <laughs> as the sun came up, when I went downstairs and the young guy, Christy, said, well, it's a Romanian wedding. These go on for three or four days. It's not going to stop. Like that was the first person that said that to me. And I realized at that moment that I was like, well, I guess I have to just join them. Like I can't beat them. I can't stop this. <laughs> so I got dressed and I sat in the bar and I got to know the staff of the hotel. I didn't join the party, but like I got to. Know. So it turned this whole experience into I became um, really connected to the staff of this hotel. Meanwhile, the rest of the cast arrives. Now it's like this very weird episode of the real world where <laughs> all of these actors are living in this house and we're leaving every day to go to the set to shoot this movie and we're in Romania so everything is and we're shooting this movie in Romania because everything is 10 cents on the dollar so for example if we're shooting a cemetery scene at night we are shooting in a cemetery at night at (laughs) 20 degrees Fahrenheit and um, I'm my costume for the most part was a corset I basically wore a, uh, a piece of underwear and tights and nothing else for most of the movie. So most of my time was spent standing in cold cemeteries <laughs> at night. Romania is also, um, Ceausescu, who was the communist leader of Romania, had a habit of um, going into small towns and saying, um, I'm going to fix this town. I'm going to make this town much better than it ever was. And then he, he would say, just go away and come back in a few months and you'll have this brand new town. He would kick all the people out. He would tear everything down to the ground, and then go, never mind. And he would leave, leaving all these people homeless. And a lot of these people had dogs. So the dogs then, the people had no home, the dogs would go out into the street and multiply. So Romania is covered in wild dogs. I got bit while I was there. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah. So dogs everywhere, and so you're standing in a cemetery at night, freezing in underwear, and there's wild dogs everywhere, and nobody's doing anything about them. So it's just like, well, they're great atmosphere. Like, everybody, (laughs) the crew was amazing, all Romanian, some German, amazing people, so incredible. Um, And um, I started to learn the language a little bit. I'm skipping over things, but mostly. um, So here's some other things, like, for what you get for 10 cents on a dollar. So we have a scene in which... Um, we're on a stagecoach, and I'm in a stagecoach with Elvira, and there's a driver, and Scott Atkinson, who's playing, like, the young, handsome leading man that Elvira is, like, really flirting with, and he's flirting with her, and everybody has these delicious accents, and, um, we're on a soundstage for this, uh, soundstage, I'm using air quotes, because it's just a big, giant, empty room with no heat, it's freezing, (laughs) and, um, they, um, two really small Romanian men, got up on top of the stagecoach and jumped up and down to make it rock. And they had the stagecoach up on, like, cinder blocks. And then they had, yeah, it was totally precarious. And every five minutes, it's one of us would look at each other and go, like, we might die tonight. Like, this might be the very end of us. And there's one scene in, in the uh, Virus Haunted Hills, and I don't want to ruin it for you in case you do want to watch this movie, which I recommend you do, but don't do it sober. Um, 
I get, my character Zuzu gets kidnapped and put in a metal cage, which is suspended from the ceiling. So in order to do this, they put me in a metal cage and suspended it from the ceiling. <laughs> I am not a small person, and this was not a large cage. And I, you, like, I'm sitting Indian style in a metal cage suspended, and I'm wearing a gag, and I'm way high up in the air on a really amazing um, set. This whole movie was supposed to be an homage to like... Um, horror films and film noir and it had like little samples and tastes of a million Hitchcock movies and uh, Corman movies and like everything you can think of um, from you know the original Dracula all the way to today and so this movie was the um, the pendulum you know the um, the, the uh, classic movie with the pendulum why can't I think of what it's called is it called the pendulum maybe maybe I don't know um, so a virus strapped to a table and there's a pendulum swinging over her and it's got a blade on it. It gets lower and lower and <laughs> lower. Meanwhile, I'm suspended up in a cage and they're having trouble making the pendulum work and it's taking a really long time and I'm in a cage and I'm gagged and I'm suspended from the ceiling and I can't tell, because I'm gagged, I can't say like, my legs are going to fall off. I'm yeah. so uncomfortable and I've been in that cage for like an hour and a half and finally someone took pity on me and was like, there's a girl hanging from the ceiling. So it was crazy whenever we needed atmosphere. So, you know, for those of you who are listening who don't know, if you need atmosphere in a movie, it's usually like smoke or, you know, creating something in the air to give the, the uh, sense of depth, but also to create, like maybe you're creating um, sort of a, a spooky feeling with, with smoke coming in or you're creating cold feeling with mist coming in. Um, and we have machines for that in Hollywood, right? You yeah. plug them in, you pour in the solution, you turn them on, you, it fills the room with smoke, you roll camera, and, and you take your take, and then you do it again. In Romania, it was a guy with charcoal on a metal dustpan. <laughs> <laughs> and they would be like, all right, atmosphere. And he would light the charcoal and get it going, and then he would run around the set fanning it, <laughs> putting smoke all over the set and then they like hurry up and shoot and we were never ready to shoot so he'd have to go again he was this little guy it was like this thing out of the wizard of oz i swear to god this little <laughs> tiny guy in a little tiny cap running around the set with his little trap a little dustpan full of smoking charcoal creating atmosphere and then we would roll so the, if you watch the movie the the atmosphere is inconsistent throughout um, and just think about that poor little guy so it was a lot of that it was a lot of like precarious crazy almost death uh, moments in making this movie, but the guy Christie. So <laughs> Mary Shear and I just thought he was the cutest thing ever. He was so cute. I'm sorry, babe. Your um, fiance is present. My fiance is present, but it's all right. I don't even know if you've heard this story. I think you've heard some of it. Um, he's he just had this beautiful Roman nose, just this gorgeous and super. Um, muscular and so cute and all the women loved him and he would say things like he had to go out and um, he would go out in these fields he was telling me stories about like he would go out in these fields and steal gas and because um, they were all so poor so they would just siphon gas and then give it to all the girls in the village and the girls loved him so much and um, and he wanted to be he would say things like I am a tarantula I'm very dangerous. You don't want to get near me. But of course that made me want to get near him yeah. all the more. And so <laughs> you don't Mary like spiders, babe. I know I don't and like spiders. Aren't that dangerous. I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> they are to me. So um, and Mary Shear and I would just like talk about him and how cute he was and whatever. So one and every night I would so I barely slept the entire time I made this movie. I would get up at the crack of dawn, we would go on location or to the set or wherever it was, we'd work all day. I'd come back, I'd change my clothes, I'd run down to the bar and I would party all night with my new Romanian friends. <laughs> and one night I went to bed 
not alone. Whoa. <laughs> but with Christy. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning, and I remember writing in my journal. I was going to get my journal out for this, but I don't know where this journal is. I wrote something terrible like, I just woke up next to a Roman god. Yeah. It's so disgusting. And like, but he's so beautiful. And he and I, I, I remember leaving my room and going into Mary Shear's room. My sister's plugging her ears. Um, going into Mary Shear's room and going, Christy's asleep in my bed right now. And she was like, oh my god. <laughs> and this began this crazy um, fling, this amazing fling that I had with him um, for the. I was there for six weeks. And um, on my days off, he would like take me to explore Romania. And he used to pull the guidebooks out of my hand. No, you do not. This is not real. <laughs> I will show you Romania. And so off we would go. Like he took me to this salt mine um, with a couple other guys from the bar. So it's me and like three Romanian thugs going out <laughs> into the country to a salt mine that's closed. Um, but they would just, oh, we know the security guard. He's going to let us in. So we'd get there, and it's another Romanian thug who's just like, yeah, come on in. And this little rickety elevator that took us underground. It's a oh. salt mine that goes underground, um, no. way, way down underground. And it's freezing cold in there, and it's just walls and walls of salt. And it was the most amazing thing. There's nobody down there but us. And, again, I was certain I was going to die, but I was having so much fun. I was making out with him in the salt mine. It was so sexy and, like, awesome. Sorry, Barbara. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so he, yeah, he, would show me, he took me to the Black Sea, and he, like, he, just, he showed me Romania from the perspective of somebody who grew up there. Also, the funny thing was that um, my driver, a couple things, so I, my, and then I'll wrap this up because this could go on forever, but my driver <laughs> was this really nice man um, who walked with a limp, and he, um, one, <laughs> one day, he took me and Mary Shear and Scott Atkinson um, for a little tour. We, none of us were working that day, and so he took us into the city, into Bucharest, and he took us to the People's House, which is what Ceausescu's house was, but he called it the People's House because, of course, he was for the people. Which he wasn't. Yeah. Um, and the People's House is just this elaborate, uh, it was built in the 80s, or late 70s, early 80s, this elaborate marble monstrosity with just like gilt, you know, gold everywhere, and just like this overspending of an oligarch dictator president, right? Just this crazy huge house that now is basically a museum because he's dead. He was overthrown. And as we're walking up, to the front of the people's house, my driver, uh, whose name was Michael, said, and right here is where I got shot. And I was like, what? And that's how we got the limp. He was protesting. He was, the day that Ceausescu was overthrown, he was standing on the steps of the people's house protesting and waving a Romanian flag. And as they dragged him from the building and threw gas on him or whatever they did to him, I think they <laughs> shot him. Um, he got shot in the leg and like, I'm surrounded by these people who like know and love the city so much and have lived through so much. And he took me to his parents' house and like introduced me and his mother his mother gave me like this crocheted it's customary in Romania if you go to someone's house they give you a gift. You don't yeah. bring a gift, they give you something and it's usually something handmade. Like he, she gave me a beautiful crocheted table runner. And halfway through the meal I realized I think they think I'm marrying their son. <laughs> like, <laughs> And just this, this crazy dinner, and I, 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 and he walks me to the door, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what's happening? Like, I think he's gonna kiss me, but he has to drive me home. He's my driver, so we leave. It was very uncomfortable, uh, but I just met these really amazing people. I had this incredible time, this fling. Um, I went back twice to Romania to continue my um, romance with this beautiful, uh, and I'm still friends with him on Facebook, and he's now married and he has children. Um, and tomorrow I will go to this Elvira 
Will he be there? No, he won't be there. He's not. He wasn't in the movie. He just worked at the hotel. Oh, okay. Um, so that was a little all over the place, but I, I will never ever. There's something about Romania that really touches me, not just Christy. Um, <laughs> and I used to say I had lots of friends over there. Still have friends over there. My friend Gabby, who we call each other sisters, who was my makeup artist, and she would say, "Ma voi torche, you will return." And so I know I will go back to Romania one day. Aww. Yay! Yay! I just want to say that I have muscles too, babe. <laughs> you do have muscles, babe. They're coming, they're I coming. I love you very, very much. Oh, I know. I love you too. Okay. Um, okay, <laughs> okay. I have only traveled for work twice. The first time was for an improv thing, and I have, like, literally no memory of it. It's so <laughs> weird. I don't know how we got there. I don't remember doing the stuff i know we went to nebraska but it's almost it's almost like a complete black hole drunk in my the mind. whole time no but i did drink a lot at the time but it was not to my knowledge <laughs> to my maybe knowledge. you were maybe i was i don't know it's so weird but that's a complete absence of memory there but i did travel a second time for work and i went to budapest and i had met this guy was doing some stuff for him and he wanted to get into comedy, and I was getting out of comedy, but, but he wanted to get into comedy, so I was cutting reels for him and giving him any sort of advice that I had. And um, But he, uh, his day job is being cruise director for river cruise boats in Europe. So he came up with this really great idea that, hey, let's get together and we'll do this like on the street kind of tourist thing. We'll tape it and cut it together and make it be this like web thing that he could have going on and <clears throat> and so it was also going to be Mary Jo's birthday so we decided we were going to go to Paris first and then go to Budapest for work this was a, an amazing amazing trip um, we went with our friend Jean Black has Jean done the podcast she before? has she has she has done the podcast um, but we did all the Paris things uh, we went and saw the all the bones in the under the city and we saw P.I. Uh, P.I.L. P.I.L. concert, um, which, and this was only weeks before we returned, and there was a that shooting that happened in France in the... In the theater. Yeah, in the theater there, so that was a little bit trippy, but... Um, uh, oh, and then we, we also had the, these amazing hotel room picnics. We were walking along <laughs> in the city, and... Um, getting wine and cheese and meats and stuff, but we found this guy that we ended up calling the king. <laughs> and he was the, he, he had this like, I guess it was his family shop, and he was just back there behind this counter like cooking all this amazing oh, food. So I amazing. mean, amazing food, nonstop. And we spent hours in there. I think it was raining outside, and we were we were spending hours in this wine shop, cheese shop, tasting all the food, and we bought all this stuff, and took it back to the hotel and I took pictures of the skyline in time lapse while Jean and Mary Jo are in. Oh, I think we like did a really dumb periscope. <laughs> we did. I don't know, we did a really stupid periscope. I think I wore a wig for most of the night. <laughs> yeah, I think I was supposed to be a witch. Oh, and then somebody Oh, and this is pre-transition too. So somebody was like like are you a are you a guy or a or a girl or something on like that? On periscope. Know, on periscope right. and I was like little do you know. Um <laughs> <laughs> kind of both right now but um but anyway it was super super fun and we ended up getting 
uh, oh, I had a I had a bone spur going on. This is all this is great detail, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, this is amazing detail. But like all of this walking, I thought I was gonna fucking die because my foot has this bone spur in it that was incredibly, incredibly painful. Which we've now, uh, Gene has bad feet too, which we now call anytime your feet hurt, Europe foot. But um, <laughs> anyway, so we're uh, we're gonna go on on to Budapest, and I don't know anything at all about Budapest. I know there's a now I know there's a Buddha side and a Pest side, but I have no idea which side we were on. I know there's like a chain bridge with some lions on it, <laughs> lots of really incredible architecture. We stayed in this amazing apart uh, Airbnb that was by the um, Parliament building. Mm-hmm. Oh Which God, that place was amazing. It was Budapest is so fucking gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. It was rainy the whole time, so it's gray and drizzly, which sounds unappealing, but there was just something about it that was I Anthony was, Bourdain said that it's um architecture porn, that city. Yeah, and, and I think that's just city, amazing. I think that city, like Romania, has been occupied by many other cultures through you know throughout time and uh, had you know it's got influences everywhere in, in terms of that, of its architecture and then um, <clears throat> uh, also there is some uh, Holocaust history that happened there which we which I didn't know about but um, many people were killed killed and uh, transported to uh, concentration camps and oh my gosh yeah and then we um uh, and this is all this is all like a it's supposed to be a work trip but we're doing our vacation first <laughs> um and we ended up we did go to uh uh Auschwitz Birkenau and we saw um but that was in Poland yeah that was in Poland and Poland was great too yeah um you were overcome with emotion when we were I there. did I had a nervous breakdown Auschwitz go figure <laughs> yeah, it was super fucking intense, really intense. Um, we had had dinner in, in Poland the night before, and there were these there were the, there were these Americans at a table next to us. Remember them? Yep. And uh, they were so fucking loud and gross and obnoxious and completely fucking wasted, bagging on Obama the whole time. And this other Polish couple just like leaned over to us. I don't know how they knew we were Americans, but they were like. Love Obama. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were really nice because I was crying. Remember, like I was so emotional in that. Yeah, city. Poland was. Yeah. Poland was hard. You were very emotional. Yeah, and, and it's an. I mean, how can you not be? Yeah, right? Krakow. Yeah, yeah, we were in Krakow. Um, <clears throat> but the uh, the concentration camp tour is. I mean, it's weird to it's weird to kind of like recommend doing something like that, but recommend is really not the right word. But like, if you can do that, it's so important, um, and it's it's like it's beyond being impacted. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we we we're in this awesome um, Airbnb. We are introduced to Nespresso. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. We drank all of the Nespresso, and there were like boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of Nespresso in, in that apartment, which we uh, 
did drink all of it. And so we're getting towards the end of the of my uh, of our vacation time, and I'm getting in contact with uh, I'll call him Larry, the cruise director, who is now in Budapest also. So we're in touch. And the plan is that Chick, Gene, and I will leave. Chick will stay to yes, work. Yes, I'm going to stay. Home. Okay. Gene and Mary Jo are going to leave. I'm going to stay for the following week and then film all of this stuff and cut it together. And, and we're then leaving the Airbnb. Like you're supposed to be in a hotel. Or whatever. Yes, he's supposed to have lodging for me and all of. <laughs> <laughs> he's supposed to have all of this stuff in order, and so we're in touch. Everything seems like it's going to go forward. Um, the next day we're in touch again, and then. The day before, in the afternoon, suddenly there is like radio silence, and and I'm trying to play it cool because I don't because I don't want to flip out that I'm going to be alone in a country that I don't know anything about and can't speak the language because I'm terrible at um, languages anyway. But um, and I don't know that he's freaking out. Like he's not telling me that. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm freaking out on the inside because I'm like, oh, for sure this is going to work out. Like, he's just, you know, he's just doing some cruise directory stuff right now. (laughs) Everything's going to be fine. Um, They're going to leave tomorrow and I'm going to meet him somewhere. I don't know where yet, (laughs) but it's all going to work out. And, um, um, (laughs) I just keep, I keep trying to reach him into the night and then I think I reveal to you that I couldn't reach him. Can't get a hold of him. And you were like you were like basically like, fuck it, babe, you're coming home. Well I was like, what? What I'm is gonna, happening? I'm like, not gonna I leave can't you here. leave you here. Yeah. I can't leave yeah. you in Budapest. I was so that was so emotional when you did that. Like I was <laughs> Well, it was the first time I re- in our relationship, I'm interjecting here because I'm just gonna say it was part of your story, like I was stunned that you thought I would leave you. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, of course I'm not going to leave you. Like, what kind of girlfriend do you think I am? Well, I thought I would, like, have to figure it out. Like, I'm just going to have to, like, figure it out. Like, this was a... Good luck. This was, like, a dumb thing <laughs> to... You when you get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, like, maybe I was stupid to even accept this job thinking that... But I was like, fuck, yeah, why don't film something in Budapest? That'll be awesome. Had he paid for, like, a plane ticket or anything? He he had... Yeah, he had he had given some money f- for the travel and then was to cover the lodging. Yeah, he had paid lodging. for his ticket and I had bought mine. Okay, so yeah. he at least done for so that. Yeah. So, so it didn't so, feel like you were getting... So it seemed, seemed like, seemed like everything was going to happen. To the point yeah. that we thought something was wrong. We thought maybe he'd yeah, gotten... He had a heart attack. Yeah, I thought something was well, we of course something was up. Got. Don't 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 blow the end. No, well, no. Yeah. yeah. And he had a heart attack and died. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, I mean he's we have since been in contact, but uh and he is a nice guy. He just I've discovered is flaky. <laughs> And, well, with somebody and, in a different country. I know, but I, know. I was like, I've got to be brave. Like, I mean, people go and they travel on their own. I can fucking do this. Like, I don't know where I'm going to stay next. <laughs> and I don't know how to communicate. You're not supposed to take cabs here. Why? Um, I don't know. There's some cabs that you're not supposed to take, and then there are cabs that you're that you're 
I don't know, there's like some seedy kind of cab situation, and then there's like some specific kind of cabs that you have to take. There's the ones that take you away and you never come back. Well, it, yeah. it's, it's sort of like we were told by the woman who ran the Airbnb, like, there are some cabs, you, you call them up, they give you a quote, they arrive, you pay them, they take you where you want to go. But if you get into a cab and that doesn't happen, don't get in that cab. Okay. Yeah, because it'll be insanely expensive. Oh, and and I was trying um, Duolingo to like... <laughs> quickly learn. Well, like, you go into the grocery store in Budapest, and like we're trying to find half and half, <laughs> and there's like stuff that's white that looks like it's probably half and half, but there's no, there is zero commonality between the that language written in English and like I'm I'm I would love to be I would love to be multilingual but I'm just not it's like I would love to be left-handed but I'm just not you know, right I'm a, not there's a, a Google app where you can just use your camera and point it at foreign text and it will switch it to English. Oh, that's awesome. I wish that existed then oh it did know. I would have left you there I used it I used it way back when really yeah, really it's been around for a while oh that's awesome well, we d- I think we did end up finding the half and half, but it was, it was, it was a leap <laughs> of faith. Wait, cafe? so you yeah. never reached the guy and you turned around and came home? I reached him the next morning, I think. when it, cause I was leaving a message. It's like when Mary Jo was like, I'm not fucking leaving you. Um, thank God you didn't leave me, babe. I was so like, fuck, don't leave me, babe. Don't leave me here. <laughs> but I had to get on the phone and like arrange for a flight. Yeah. Because yeah. his flight was a week later. Yeah, my yeah, we had to move like, my flight. Like we're leaving in six hours. I need to take someone with me. How much is this gonna be? Yeah. So I had to like was calling and leaving him messages that was just like, look, I've I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I want you to know that I'm leaving. <laughs> I hope you're okay. I'm leaving. <laughs> Good luck with your project. <laughs> Sounds really interesting, maybe, but um, but I'm going. <laughs> and that was my um, that was my. Wait, but you said you talked to him before you left, though. The next day, did we talk to him? I got some sort of confirmation from him that that I think I he knew think that I acknowledged that I was got leaving. back here. But oh yeah, and then he... he came and brought us a bag of coffee. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Here's a bag oh, of coffee. Oh, in the U.S. But not yeah. an espresso. Not an espresso. No, he, I guess the ship had lost its Wi-Fi. So they were out on the water yeah. away from shore no with problem. no way to contact, and like no phone, no like just nothing. And so he was sitting there unable to do anything, and we were sitting there trying to get a hold of him for like 24 I, hours. I think I did get in touch with him at some point because he was like, well... I'm trying to figure out where the lodging is going to be, oh, that's right. but I'm going to have you stay with my cousin. Oh, right. That that's... was when I was like, what's happening? Yeah. Like yeah. you, he, that's when I was like, you don't know where you're staying. This is all happening in the dark for me. I had no idea. I'm like, he's was arranging his too. own work. I just assumed. Like he's it as it's going. I thought yeah. he had it all arranged. It places I thought he had it all arranged. Oh, we almost broke So up. the first time you traveled for work, you, <laughs> you didn't, didn't actually work. I didn't actually work. <laughs> but you had a great trip. I did have an amazing trip. The king was great. And um, you didn't pay for your airfare. We really and that's true. did. The... But, but, but we did have to change my ticket. So there was a cost oh, involved. Yeah. So. No, but he reimburses for that. Oh, yeah, he did. He did. Oh, that's right. He did. He reimbursed for all of that stuff. I was stuff. like, fuck this. I was mad. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a point where we were all like, what if he's dead? Maybe he did have a heart attack. Maybe. The ship sank. The ship, like, we had no idea. Like, what's happening? Why isn't this guy contacting? But aren't they river cruises? Shouldn't he be near land at all times? Yeah, he was, he was in Budapest. 
Yeah. He was docked in Budapest. I don't know if they were yeah, even traveling. He could traveling. have gotten out and gone, gone out. to a coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, gone. like, he totally, I think, Bullshit. I think he was probably like, oh, fuck, I didn't set up the lodging and maybe didn't know how to say that. The amount of money he forked out for the plane ticket should have, well, maybe he makes a lot of money. I think he makes good money. Yeah. I mean, how is I, his comedy career? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I know he's, um, I know he's studying places. Huh? If I have him as a student at the ground level. <laughs> <laughs> he is studying places. I think, you know, like, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's funny. He could be, be funny. <laughs> he played a real prank on you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yay! <laughs> okay. Oh, does Barbara. that mean it's my turn? Yeah. It's your turn. Okay. My sister. All right. Gosh, you know, well... Uh, so, so, um, I, I, I've heard that this is called first time. Mm-hmm. My first time. My first time. So, um, I mean, I've traveled for work for some other things, but I guess I'll tell you all about the first time I traveled for work, which was in, um, 1987. I'm 44, so you could do the math. <laughs> I was not very old. Um, and I, um, I got first an internship. But I guess that's sort of work because it's paid. You get a stipend, right? So first I had a five-month-long internship. They were just going to sort of like test me out and see if it was going to be okay. Um, and then maybe I would get hired on. And uh, so I was 13. And um, I had no idea what the hell I was getting into. All I knew was that I got to leave home. <laughs> that was going to be super cool. So, um, first thing I had to do was divest myself of all, you know, I didn't realize, you know, when I came back, everything was gone, right? Yeah. Like gone, like gone. I'll get to that later anyway, but I had to divest <laughs> myself of things that were worth money because I had to buy a plane ticket and it was kind of far away. So I sold my horse, which was like really painful. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this part of the story, but I sold my horse and I thought it was like the perfect match. Oh no. And then I get this phone call to the payphone in our house because we only had a payphone in our house. Yeah, we grew up with a payphone. We had a payphone. <laughs> the phone is a call from the payphone, and you know, well, somebody answers it and they come and get me. And it's the dad of the little girl who bought my horse, who was the sweetest horse ever, screaming at me about how the horse had thrown her. And I'm Aww. like, well, then you're a stupid fucking idiot. You can't ride a horse, but whatever, because Tinker wouldn't throw anyone. She was like ancient. I'm going to send this horse to the glue factory. Literally, that's what he said. Are you serious? Yeah, and I'm supposed oh. to get on a plane. like. And you're 13, by the way. I'm 13. I'm supposed to get on a plane. And I remember my sister Jenny grabbing the phone and being like, what? I can, yeah? You even curse on What me. the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you're talking to a 13-year-old girl, you insane. Yeah. And the guy, like, doesn't understand. Because, like, why would I be talking to a 13-year-old girl about this? Because, like. Where's Parents the... should have handled this. Right, anyway. <laughs> so his daughter, his little kid daughter, bought your horse. Yeah, he bought the horse for his daughter. Oh, so, but you sold it to him. Yeah, but I wasn't super involved. And, like, he didn't get that, I maybe he didn't get that I was the person on the phone, didn't connect that I wasn't the mom. Like, all he knew was he was, you know. Okay. I mean, the bottom line is people who don't understand horses shouldn't own horses. But also the bottom line is that you were 13 and had to take care of yourself. This is true. <laughs> so anyway, that was the whole point of that part of the story was deal with it. So um, 
I, I, I bought a plane ticket, several of them actually, and some bus tickets because I was going from Ojai, which is in Southern California, um, to the Kimberley region of Northwestern Australia. So Australia's, well, it's a podcast, so uh, anyway, it's kind of shaped like that. So <laughs> I'll pause while y'all get a map. <laughs> All right. So like the Great Barrier Reef is over here. And Sydney. That would be that. like 10 a.m. No, 2, 2 p.m. Yeah, 2, 2 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, Sydney and the Opera House are down here. 4 o'clock. 4.30. Yeah. 4.30. And Perth is over here at like 7. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, so if you get to Perth and you get on a bus for three days and there are two drivers and they alternate. <laughs> Jesus. And you spend three days, you go 1,700 miles north of Perth, you will end up in a place called... Fitzroy Crossing, Western Australia. And when you're 13, you don't realize that when you write W-A, they don't understand, like, the difference between Washington and Western Australia. Anyway, you can't write W-A. You have to actually write out Western Australia. On anyway, what? On your letters. On mail. Oh, oh mail. W-A doesn't mean Western Australia everywhere in the world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the things you learn when you're 13. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to a place called Fitzroy Crossing. And Fitzroy Crossing was a town with a population, because they only count white people, oh. of six. Wow. There were a lot of people there, but they, they're, they're nomads. So Native, Native, Native Australian people are very nomadic. And so, um, well, and, you know, Australian white people are like American white people, so they're racists. Yeah. Like, they apologize for stuff, like after I came back from Australia. So like they like I, I'm not being like a liberal, like rebel person. Like they're they really did horrible things. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so population six. The only reason it's a town in Australia and not a road stop <laughs> is because it has a pub. If it doesn't have a pub, it doesn't have a post office. And it's not a town. It's just a road stop. Like drink. So wow. we stopped at a lot of road stops. Anyway, so you get to Fitzroy Crossing. And that's great. So you just spent 24 hours on planes <laughs> because in 1987, there are no direct flights from, say, LAX to Perth. Like right now, you could go to LAX and get on a plane and fly to Perth. And you wouldn't just have to fly like Qantas. You could fly whatever you wanted to fly. Anyway, there's none of that. So you, you get on a plane and you fly from LAX to like, I swear to God, I think I flew to Chicago which wouldn't really make very much sense, but I'm sure it was cheaper. So I did. And then I we stopped in some, like, island, and it smelled <laughs> like frangipani, and we had to get off the plane and get back on the plane while they refueled and stuff. Anyway, uh, and then we flew to Brisbane, and then we flew to Sydney, and then we flew to Perth. So 24 hours later, you're in Perth, and then you go and who were you traveling with? Um, so for the first portion, there was... I think there was somebody from the projects, but it's a really big long and like hippie people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I think she was there for the first portion of the flight. Anyway, but mostly you were by yourself. So anyway, you end up in Perth and then you get on a bus and you drive and you stop at some road stops and there's kangaroos, right? Yeah. Oh, so I just went backwards. Okay, so you're. Okay, so you're 13 years old, and you grew up, like, there were a lot of whacked things about the way I grew up, but the one thing that was always consistent and super awesome was food. 
like really good food. Yeah, well, <laughs> airplane food is crappy, even though it's worse now. Anyway, so I'm in a roadhouse somewhere between Perth and Fitzroy Crossing. I have no idea where I am. Probably Wakamakajiga, Waga, something, because all the names there are like crazy, like, Aborigine. yeah, Aborigine names, like Geeky Gorge, and anyway, which is really beautiful, by the way. If you ever go to Australia, go to Geeky Gorge. Anyway, um, I thought, how can you screw up chicken noodle soup? <laughs> like, you can't screw that up. But they can. <laughs> and napkins are sanitary napkins, like feminine hygiene. Napkins are serviettes. Yes. Oh. oh Not napkins. Oh. And you don't get stuffed when you're full. You get. You're just full. Oh. <laughs> Getting stuffed means go get, like, go stuff yourself. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, and so you were talking about how, like, you didn't know the language. Well, when I went to Australia, I thought, this is great. It's going to be fine because I speak English. Yeah, not so much. So anyway, you can screw up chicken noodle soup in a roadhouse somewhere between Perth and Fitzroy Crossing, Western Australia in 1987. I was really hungry. So I spent like three and a half years really hungry. But anyway, okay, so then I get to Fitzroy Crossing and I was like pathologically independent when I was 13. It was like, it was, it was, there was something wrong. So I had insisted that I could carry this duffel bag that I could literally fit in. Now, granted, I was like, I don't know, 4'11 and weighed like 95 pounds soaking wet, but I had packed my life in this duffel bag and I really couldn't honestly lift the <laughs> duffel bag. But there I am, I get off the, I'm getting off the bus, right? Oh, I forgot about the bus drivers. <laughs> okay, this was like 30 years ago. So um, I, I get to Fitzroy Crossing. So when you get on in Perth, the bus is full, right? And as you get farther up towards Darwin, so Darwin's at the top, in case, you know, so that would be like 11 o'clock, not quite noon. And, and Ayers Rock, Alice Springs is in the middle, right? That would be like the little thing that holds the hands, but I didn't go there. So anyway, so as you as you go up, from Perth, north, um, the the bus gets less and less occupied. There, people just start getting off. So there were just a couple of people who were going all the way to Darwin because that's like a city city. Like, I guess they can't afford to fly, so they're just going to take the bus. But very few people get off, like in literally the middle of nowhere. So there I am, Fitzroy Crossing, and by now the bus drivers have figured out that this is a child. Yeah. Yeah. By herself. An unaccompanied <clears throat> child on a bus. An American child, which they didn't like Americans either. You know what they call them? Yank, yank, septic tank. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like Americans either. But they're really okay with, like, as a minor, you're sort of exempt from that because they figure, like, dude, you, I mean, you're a kid. You haven't done anything yet. So, I'm, I'm trying to get off the bus. And the bus drivers are arguing with me. They're like, are you sure? Like, you, you want to get off and stay here? Like, this is Fitzroy Crossing, right? Yes, this is Fitzroy Crossing. Yes, this is where I'm supposed to get off the bus. And I've been traveling for like four days. And I'm really tired and I'm really hungry. So, yes, I would like to get off the bus. 
and they, they spend a lot of time arguing. So I get off the bus <laughs> and there's a pay phone and I call this number, but it was like this weird, like patchy, like radio to telephone. Cause we didn't have like real telephones. It wasn't like telephone lines anyway. So, um, and I'd forgotten about this anyway. Um, so they had forgotten I was coming. <laughs> Oh, my God. Because, yeah, why wasn't there an adult at the bus station waiting for you? Well, there isn't really a bus station. It's just there's (laughs) a a roadhouse that has a pub. And then, yeah. And then there's a post office office that's also a video store, which is important (laughs) if we have time. But we might not. Anyway, so I get off and, um, yeah. So um, I just keep calling and calling. And so what you have to understand about where I was going is I, I was hired to work as a, a horse trainer slash ranch hand on a 365,000 acre beef cattle ranch, which 365,000 acres is really small in Australia, in that area. Because what they did is kind of like the Old West, like homesteading. Like, like doesn't Nicole Kidman do like this thing with like... Tom, isn't it a movie with like Nicole Kidman and Tom oh, Cruise? Tom Cruise. Away. Yeah, and a flag, flag, yeah, you did, they do that. And it was kind of like that, except for they they said we'll give you a million acres of Spinifex grass. You guys can Google that; it's a real thing. Spinifex grass. We'll give you a million acres, and if you can like do something cool with it in however many generations, you can have it. So there were these million acre segments of land. So Kwanban Downs, they're called Downs. It's a station, a cattle station. It's not a ranch, it's called a station. And they all have Downs after them, like Watership Downs, remember the book? Oh yeah. yeah. So Jubilee Downs was our neighbor. Kwanban Downs was the name of the ranch that I was supposed to, the cattle station that I was supposed to be at. Anyway, so it was little excisements off of all of these million acre pieces of homesteaded land. So 365,000 acres. So when you're working that amount of land, um, particularly at this time of year, so 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 anyway, you're not sitting by the phone is the whole point. Yeah. Because you're sort of busy. <laughs> okay, so that was the other thing is you have to wait to travel in Australia, you, in that area. You have to wait until after the monsoons are gone because otherwise there are no roads because, I mean, you could take a... A bus this far, but then you'd have to like get a dinghy and like row yourself, which they they did do that actually once they ran out of tea and tobacco. But I didn't care about tea or tobacco, so I didn't go. But anyway, so I wait and I just keep calling, and eventually people get hungry, and they come into the homestead, and then eventually the phone rings and they answer. But it's about a two and a half hour drive from Quantum Downs to Fitzroy Crossing, and so it's pretty dark by the time anybody gets there. But I do finally get picked up. Were you scared at any point? Were you, no. Where you were just like on task? She's a sociopath. Do you not know enough about how I grew up to know that I would not be scared? No, well, I, I know. But are you scared in hindsight? No. Okay. okay. But I'm you would cool. never let your daughter do it. Oh, hell to the no. <laughs> no. Did you uh, get to eat at the pub while you were waiting? I don't remember if I tried to eat again. I'm sure I tried. You were so hungry, though. I was really hungry. But I spent the next, like, three and a half years, except for, like, two and a half months that I came home to visit, hungry. So it just became sort of a normal thing. Oh, anyway, so they finally came to pick me up. And, um, you know, it's this big... Um, they came in the, the Ford F, red Ford F-150 because um, the, the... So 
the cattle ranch that I grew up on, or that I grew up on, that I lived on. Do you ever hear the biosphere, like the bubble? Yeah. yeah. Okay, in, in Oracle, Arizona. Okay, so so that was one of nine projects. And right? if you listened to the podcast before, my uh, brother. Excuse me. No, my brother. I was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> let her. I'm gonna tell let the her story. do it. So, and if you want to know about some of the other projects, two of them actually. There's a, a rainforest in Puerto Rico, and there's a ship. Chinese junk. You can listen to my brother Ian's version of the podcast, and you should bring Autumn on to talk about the farm in France. Okay, I will do that. I'm sorry I interrupted you. That's okay. That's right. I used to it. So, um, you you made me lose my train of thought, and now I'm filling Ford F one fifty. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So the Ford F one fifty. Why is it a Ford F one fifty? Because the entire um, well, in in my this is a child's brain now, remember. So anything, so all you Institute of Ecotechnics people, don't sue me if any of this is wrong because I was 13 when I absorbed the information. <laughs> but my understanding is that most of this is bankrolled by um, mm, Texas oil gone hippie. Okay. Okay. No names. <laughs> anyway, uh, so you can change it to the Institute of something else if you want to. <laughs> we'll okay. leave it. <laughs> anyway, so the Ford F-150 is like totally out of place and just bizarre. But anyway, there it is. So it comes bounding down this road and I throw my duffel bag in and I get in and I, you know, off we go. And, uh, and, and we start driving and, and, and the dirt sort of changes color. It becomes very red at one point and there's like just billows of dust coming up behind um, and you got to get out and open gates and shut gates, and that becomes the time later in life that you pretend you're asleep because you don't want to have to get out and open <laughs> them. You have to open the gates. Um, and so I remember, I do remember this very clear that clearly that we we get, we got as we came up on the homestead, there was actually like a house and some stuff. The sun was just starting to to go down, and I remember as I got out of the truck. It was so flat. Everything was so, it's so incredibly flat that literally you, you're standing there and I felt like someone had dropped a bubble on top of me. Kind of like the biosphere would be, right? Except I didn't really know much about that. And you could literally, anytime, unless it was cloudy, you could watch the, the day go down and the night come up. Like you could look, it was light there and it was dark. Like oh, to the wow, point that you cool. could almost see stars, right? There was this moment where it was still light, like, like, like twilight is crazy, incredible, and really bizarrely beautiful in the Kimberley region of Northwestern Australia, if you've never been there. Anyway, so there you go. So there I am. <clears throat> it's been four days. I'm really tired. Um, and I, and I, uh, and I, I guess I slept for a while, I think. <laughs> you had to sleep under mosquito netting because in the daytime it was flies. You could hear the flies. You could hear flies buzzing. In fact, you can hear them on the little discs that little tapes that I would record the little mini you know the middle mm -hmm. mini? yeah do you still have those oh, I wish. maybe I don't know oh, you should look <laughs> I know I should um you could hear the flies buzzing but anyway you can hear the mosquitoes buzzing mosquitoes don't bite me anymore everything ate me for like the first two months that I was there and now I can go anywhere and nothing like autumn will be slapping her legs and I'm like oh I'm cool anyway so um so there I was in Australia on Quanban Downs and I don't really have much memory of the very beginning um, time of life there. But so what did I do, right? I guess I talk about what I did. I took some notes. So some interesting notes while you guys were talking about some other things. So, so I took some notes like, okay, 
uh, like skill set. So like, what did you need to know how to do? <laughs> what was your job? You were a ranch hand. I, I started out as a ranch hand and then I took over the um, horse breeding and training and sales and hay making and feed ordering. But yes, everybody worked, everybody, everybody worked the muster season. So the muster season, so, okay. So how do you ranch cattle in this area? So you guys can look this up. So the Fitzroy <laughs> River, okay. In, in the Kimberley region of Northwestern Australia, there's a river called the Fitzroy River, hence Fitzroy Crossing, which is now like this weird, like touristy, like there's a hotel and you can like go there and it's weird. <laughs> and Quanbin Downs is now like a dude ranch kind of thing. Like people write blogs and stuff. It's crazy. Gross. Anyway, so the Fitzroy, <laughs> right? They just, you know, some rich men came and raped the land. Nobody bought it, put up in a bunch of ugly boxes and Jesus people bought it. Yeah. Come on, like the yeah. Eagles, last resort. Okay, anyway. <laughs> right? So the Fitzroy River splits and becomes the Fitzroy and the forest. And it be creates this island. And if you own any portion of the island, you can actually raise cattle there. So what you do is um, your steers, your beef steers, so, so skill set number one, you have to know or learn how to castrate things. Okay. I'm, I'm really sorry you, for you. Did you already know that? Or no. You had to learn when you were there? And I guess I'm like philosophically sorry for you. <laughs> anyway. I'm already castrated. Right. Yeah. So, you have to pay. so you have to learn to castrate things. So your 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 um steers. So steers are are castrated bull cattle. Do you do you castrate them when they're young or when they're old? Oh, so that's interesting. It's a very interesting question. It depends. Uh, like all questions. Any they're question. They're breeding or they're going to eat them. Mm -mm. No. You catch them early enough. Ew. So they're semi-wild. They're semi-wild cattle. It's 365,000 acres. So if you think you're going to get every single one of them, yeah. every time you round them up, yeah, not so much. Good luck castrating a 1,000-pound bull, right? Oh, but it can be done. How? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I've done it. So um, that's when you actually use emasculators, and they are actually called that. So you have a crush. Is this, this is a, I guess it doesn't really matter. I can you say anything you want. Okay, so the strangest job I ever had, right? Hacking off cow balls. Well, they're not cows, they're cat, they're bulls. So there's a crush, which is literally like two giant pieces of metal with like the kind of pulley thing that would come down on like oh, a, yeah, yeah. like the thing that opened the door of the school buses that you, people who yeah, had, yeah, went yeah. to school, yeah. like, well, I was born in you a school bus a that bus. had a thing like that, but I didn't go to school ever, but. I do remember the door thing anyway. Yeah. Um, so you... you. Um, it's like a Temple Grandin thing. Yeah, I was going to say, is this something Temple Grandin? Yeah. Thing? I have no idea what that means. Well, but we'll tell you. Are sure. you going to crush the balls? No, no. The, no, no. The, you the do bull. crush the bleeders. <laughs> but the crush is crushing the bull. Holding the bull stick. Holding the yeah. bull in. Okay. And then you put the All lash right, down okay. and it holds their So let me right? just give it to you in context, okay? <laughs> so you have the little tiny baby calves that are too small. Hmm. to go in the crush because even if you crush it they're still going to move so those ones you just sit on their head one of you sits on their head and the other of you That's this is this is interesting to people yeah yes. okay all right so skill set one castrating and branding so um so you build a big fire and you put the brands in the it, fire 
Oh, is this for the castration? This is for the branding. Oh, uh-huh. There are three things that happen when you bring an animal in. T- well, okay, so you go out, you get on your horses, yay, it's like three in the morning, and you, um, and if you're one of the Australian native people who we hire, we hired big groups yeah, Aboriginals? Of Aboriginals, that's okay. who I worked with mostly. Um, and if you're mean to my horses, I will hurt you, um, and that's okay, because I can. Um, I won't really, I'll just tell on the elder person. You always hire in family line, right? Because then you, so we had this guy named Albert. I swear he was like 100 years old, but it didn't matter. You just put Albert on a point horse and the whole purpose of having Albert there was so that everybody else was totally in control. And at least the stupid Americans that came there in the group of people that I was in actually understood that because other people didn't understand that. And they, they had no ability to actually have good um, work structure. Anyway, so you go out early in the morning and you round up the cattle, like yeehaw, and you bring them into the pens, right? And you have pens kind of stationed in different areas of a 365,000 acre piece of property because while droving cattle for days is super romantic in TV, it's not super romantic in the real life so you want to have as many as you can it's kind of like going down i-5 right you gotta have like i hate mcdonald's but like every every once in a while you gotta have like a rest stop you can't just go all the way from like san francisco to los angeles but you don't have like too close because then that's stupid so you have them spread out anyway so you round them up and you bring them in and the first thing that you begin to do is you begin to sort you sort them so the first thing that you do is you sort out you're, you're absolutely going to die soon. Like, you're a three-year-old uh, steer, and you're nice and fat, so there you're going to go be McDonald's burgers or whatever. And then you start sorting out your cows and calves. So you sort out your cows, and if they're dry, meaning they're not nursing something and they're not clearly pregnant, they get a little notch in their ear tag. They all have ear tags with a number on them, and there's a big book, a big log book. And... If a cow comes in dry too many years in a row, then she's going to go with the fat steers. Oh. She's going to be called. It's called culling. Yeah, you eventually yeah. will call the cow. You give her a couple of years, like maybe it was just off and maybe the bull was too far away or whatever. Um, so, so you start separating. Like who's going to market, who's not. Okay, so then you've, got, you've done that, and then you have your wet cows, right? So you have your wet cows. You have your steers and and. And, and heifers that are too young to you're just going to leave them they like stay of execution um and then you have your, your your so then you have wet cows and you have calves so you have some wet cows who have calves that are too young to be weaned so you leave them yeah right okay. around well well yes they're going to be back released yeah. yes but you put them in different pens you have all these different pens in the in 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 the in the, the sort of Auschwitz Yes. Cowschwitz. <laughs> for the vegetarians, oh, vegans, it's Cowschwitz. And yes. for the Jews, we're sorry for the hate crime. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm a Jew, so it's okay. So we can say that. Um, so, so then you have your calves, and you have your calves that are too young to be um, weaned. And then you have your ones that are, oh, and they're, oh, that's a great story. Oh, gosh, it's so fun. Okay. <laughs> God, there's so many things. So... Irrespective of whether or not, which is not irregardless, because that is not a word. Yeah. So irrespective of whether or not you are a wiener calf or not, wiener meaning you're being stripped of your mother's teats, you're going somewhere else. If you're a boy, you're going to have three things done to you. 
And if you're a girl, okay, if you're a boy, you're gonna have four things done to you. And if you're a girl, you're gonna have three things done to you. So if you're a heifer calf, you're gonna get an ear tag and it's like a big giant piercing, right? And it's just like, if, if you ever had your ear pierced, they put, they load the little earring in the thing and they go, right? It's just like that. And it just crunches through the cartilage. And you've got to do it high enough up because if you do it too, down too low, then it's going to rip out, which is why you don't wear earrings when you're like playing soccer or hockey and stuff like that because you can rip it out. But anyway, <laughs> so you they get an ear tag and everybody goes in the book, right? So this calf is approximately this age, blah, blah, blah. And then if you have horns, then you get your horns cut off. Mm-hmm. And depending on the size of the horns, they either get taken off by something like you would prune your hedges with like a big right and if they're too big then you saw them off but you have to be careful how deep you go because if you go too deep then you have to cauterize the bleeders oh because they have a quick like a dog yeah yeah so you but the reason that you do that is because it's dangerous they are very dangerous when they have horns yeah um it's it's very painful to be gored by uh something that wants to hurt you that has horns so um so so most people will breed short horn cattle except for like the longhorn people in like Texas. I don't know why they do that because I don't think they have any more meat. But in Australia, you have to be careful because you need more drought resistant cattle. So they'll mix in Brahmin cattle, which is like more the... Um, Indian? Yeah. Brahmin. And they have, which is problematic for a couple reasons, but I'll get to that if I have time. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, you get your horns cut off if you have horns. If you were lucky enough to have enough short horn in you that you really don't have anything, then you're fine. You don't get anything. Um, you get the ear, you get the horns cut off, and then you get branded. And so you take the brand out of the fire, and you and you got to do it deep enough that it doesn't just burn the hair off, because then it's not actually a brand. Later in life, when you're a labor and delivery nurse. And you don't really have a filter, because I've never had a filter, not because I'm a labor and delivery nurse. And they use the Bovey cautery iron in a C-section. Don't say that it smells like branding cattle. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. mom's not asleep. She just has a spine. <laughs> yeah. I only did that once. Anyhow, so you brand them, and you, um, you dehorn them, and you tag them. And then if you're a girl, you're good to go. And you open the chute or you stand up and get off of her head and the heifer calf is now either goes back to her mother or goes with the wiener calves. Yeah. Okay. There's a story about wiener boys and girls later, which is very interesting and something I guarantee you never knew. <laughs> like you knew all of this already. Anyway, so if you're a boy, unfortunately, you're leaving without your naughty bits because <laughs> we... <laughs> We choose bulls very specifically. They're they're bought and they're brought in for certain purposes. Okay. They're brought in either Brahmin or part Brahmin, which are called drought master cattle. Drought master cattle are a cross between Brahmin cattle and shorthorn cattle. The problem with Brahmin cattle in Australia is spinifex grass and the little seeds. So Brahmin cattle's um, male genitalia hang down very low. And they will get the little seeds up in them, and then they will abscess, and it's very uncomfortable for them. So you don't want purebred Brahmin cattle, but you can have a combination of How short do you horn. remember all this? This is crazy. She spent three years there. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it was she like eighty have, years ago. But it was like really Those memorable. Yeah, ever since a Brahmin cat, a Brahmin bull with an, a 
penis abscess. No, you're right. I would never memorable. forget that. <laughs> Do not forget it. Anyway, so you don't want those. So you want like this nice, healthy combination of you're drought resistant, but your penis still works because you need <laughs> both of those things in your breeding bulls. Okay. So, oh, it's hot in here now. Okay. So, um, if you're a boy and you're little and adorable, then um, we either put you in the crusher, mostly we just sit on you. And then um, people really want to know this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, well, so all of the humans here over, well, anyone listening to this has, has handled testicles, either their own or someone else's at this point. Sure. I think. Here's hoping. Okay. So there's a sack. And if you grab it and you squeeze it, then the stuff that's in it comes down up against the skin that's there no matter how hard they try to suck it back up, it isn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so we were too cheap to have actual scalpel blade handles. Oh, no. So we just, well, this is dangerous for us, not them, because you'd slice your fingers. So you would open the scalpel blade, which is a foil package, and you'd pull off the foil and you'd wrap it around what would normally clip onto an actual scalpel blade handle so next yeah. time you watch some really poorly done tv show about medical stuff i don't know who the fuck they hire for those but it's not real people for most of them i'm sorry those like i don't know stay focused <laughs> anyway so you wrap the the scalpel blade with the foil and then you just you make a little slice and it it literally like it like pops out like a like a even Oh, the innards pop out. Yeah. Oh, but you don't you don't cut the whole thing off. You, you don't cut the, the, sack. No, the flesh. You, you don't cut the sack off. No, they bleed to death. So you pop out the innards, and if they're little babies, then you just cut them off and you throw them in the fire. You cut the sack at the bottom where the mm -hmm. tension is now. Yeah, like a little like a bag. Like you squeeze it. Like okay, so if you want to imagine this at home, put like <laughs> a, a if you want to imagine like the little baby ones, like put like mm, I don't know a a, a a cherry, a grape, in a Ziploc bag or some kind of bag and squeeze it and then cut slice the bottom. it and it will pop out. Right. But aren't there tendrils yes, and what there have you? are. So then tendrils. you cut those off. And you, and if they're little baby ones, that's it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to sew it up or anything. Mm -mm. We don't sew anything anyway. But if they're big boys, like big boys, like watch like MasterChef or those weird things where they challenge people to like cook prairie oysters right yeah. so you can see them like they are big yeah like great no we don't cook them that's fucking nasty <laughs> no. you want to eat cow in australia you eat filet like yeah like you Wagyu bulls balls are a delicacy in some parts of the world well that's nice for them they're dog food where i came from um, so our 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 um Horn trimmings and hoof trimmings, too. The dogs love them. But they puke them up, and it's really nasty later. <laughs> anyway, so in those cases, you have to get out this thing called an emasculator because the blood vessels supplying something of that size are significantly bigger, and you will actually have um, a significant, uh, significant enough hemorrhage that you will have a problem. So you take these things, and you just literally crush everything that's in it. Oh, Jesus. It. So you're not cutting the sack open. You're crushing Oh, no, sack. you cut it out. You, you crush, then cut. You squeeze, you slice, you pop, you slice, and then you crush. <laughs> oh, cauterize the wound. Yeah. To crush it's the vessels. Heated. No. No. Mm -mm, you just crush it. Just... So the blood doesn't just spray out anymore. Right. The crush is that crush. powerful. Oh, oh my it's lord. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> my point being that one of the most difficult things about post 
culling or muster returning of the animals back to their world, right? So now you have to get everybody where you want them to be, mm-hmm. right? They've been they've been gathered and they've been separated into their, you know, because that's what, like humans, we, category, we put things in little buckets. So you've separated them. So your steers that are going to go for market are going to go down near the river, okay? Because yeah. you're going to fatten them for a while. They're going to hang out down there. And your cows are going to go up farther right into the spinifex and you're going to basically give them just enough so they don't die of starvation and thirst before you bring them back in the following year really i mean you don't feed them you want them to have babies so that you can bring them back so that you can brand them and tag them and capture them whatever they can find so. Yes, they'll they're browsers. So I mean, you give them enough. You you got to figure out your your lands, and, and you got to put them places where they don't die. But they're not like big, healthy, like you know, like they're not fat because you you don't need them to be fat. You just need them to not die. Mm-hmm. And so you you know. So anyway, so so the the most difficult bovine creatures <laughs> to get back where you want them to go after all of this. Like, the, the steers and the cows, I mean, occasionally get, like, a rogue, but for the most part, they, like, go where you want them to go. And the unweaned calves, they go where you want them to go because they're still following their mothers. Then you have this herd of what we call wiener calves. Not wiener <laughs> like I have a wiener, but, like, I've been weaned. I'm no longer nursing. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> you can't spell in this. Like, I, they're spelled differently. W-E-A-N. Okay. Been weaned. So the girls have had nothing done to them other than branding and, and maybe a little earring. So they're feisty as shit. <laughs> but the boys, let me tell you, they are sore. And, and so they're very docile. They're very easy to move in a herd. But the girls are annoying. So anyway, so then you put everybody back where they're supposed to be until next year. And then you move on to the next area of your 365,000 acres and you round those ones up and you do it all again and did you have specific bulls for breeding then since you were emasculating the rest of them yeah she talked about that yeah you bring them in you buy them I want to because this is amazing but I want to know about you not about me you were there from 13 to 16 17 17 yeah I did come home for like two months that was 15 that doesn't make me feel better (laughs) okay so I want to know this huge chunk of your life away from home uh, were there other people like you from other places there? There's nobody like me. Well, I, okay, <laughs> you're correct. That is correct. No, yes. Okay, yes and no. Yes, there were some people. Um, so Australia has, okay, the Kimberley region of northwestern Australia has three seasons, not four. There's the hot dry. Mm-hmm. There's the wet, and then there's the cool dry. It's in a cycle. So cool dry, hot dry, wet. The hot dry is also called suicide season because people kill themselves. And that's when you have the bare minimum number of people. So generally for the three and a half years that I was there, there were usually two, me and one other person. Sometimes there was a third person on 365,000 acres. And you're meant to sort of manage the bare bones of the ranch. Uh, Keep the windmills running. The windmills are what make your cattle not die of thirst 
because they pump water up out of the ground into these big tanks, which then feed the troughs, but you have to drive them. And um, and if your truck breaks down, then you got to, like, that's a fun story. <laughs> so my truck broke down, and I didn't have a whole, I mean, I had some water, but you can only carry so much. So I started walking back. And this is, like, I remember this really, really, really well. So I was, I don't know, somewhere between 13 and 17. Pick a number. I don't really know. And I'm standing on this log. So there's these billabongs. You know what a billabong is? It's not a clothing line. That's all I know about what billabong is. So billabongs are these little tributaries that in the wet season fill and flow to the rivers. But during the dry season, they dry up not quite small enough to be like swampy nothing. But they're not rivers. So they're like semi-brackish water. Mm-hmm. So I remember standing on this log bit of eucalyptus, all eucalyptus, and thinking to myself, okay, it's hot. Like, it's 117 degrees. It's hot. And I'm really thirsty. And I know that once I get to this particular paddock, I can catch a horse and I can ride it home. And it's going to be, I'm going to get home. Because your truck is broken down. My truck is broken down. But I'm really hot and I'm really thirsty. I literally remember standing, looking at this water, thinking, okay. (laughs) Most diseases carried by cattle and horses and probably crocodiles, because there are crocodiles in the water and whatever other critters there, uh, are probably not susceptible to. (laughs) <laughs> and Jardia is usually like human feces, so I'm probably okay. But I remember literally standing there thinking, okay, I can either drink this water, and I probably won't die. I might have diarrhea for a couple of days. But if I don't drink this water, I, I think I'm probably not going to get back. Now, maybe my like teenage brain was being dramatic, but it was really damn hot. Yeah. So I ended up drinking the water and I don't know why maybe that's totally meaningless now but it meant a lot to me then like okay I'm gonna like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna drink this so anyway I drank the bill I didn't get sick and I made it to the horse's pasture and I caught someone semi-friendly and uh you caught a wild no they're not wild okay and we use them during the year but half the year they live out in these pastures so they're like semi-wild-ish yeah but this one was pretty friendly and you always wear a belt and a set of hobbles What's the hobbles are? No. Okay. So when you're droving cattle, you don't have fences everywhere, right? Because you're moving cattle from place to place. And your horses, you're moving from place to place. So you want your horses to kind of be able to graze, but you don't want to, like, tie them up the whole time unless you decide to do a picket line. Anyway, hobbles are, so it's a strip of leather. So a strip of leather in the back. Like, okay, so right here. You got to face the mic. Lower. Sorry. Okay, there's a strip of leather on your back. Get a little excited. And then there's two rings, metal rings, and then more leather, and then more rings, and then a buckle. Anyway, the bottom line is if you use these correctly, you basically tie your horse's two front legs together. Oh, like when you hobble a horse. They're They're hobbles. You're hobbling your horse. I see. But you wear them. You also always wear a belt. And so between your belt... And your hobbles, if you're creative, you can make something that's close enough to a bridle and you can ride somebody home. Okay, so we've gotten near-death experience. No, I didn't think I was going to die. Not that time. Was there any, uh, there's so many, it needs to be a book. Was there any, like, romance? Did anything happen? Oh, there's a thing. I didn't know this. You didn't know this? No. 
Oh, you met Daniel when he came. Oh, yes, I forgot. Okay. So it was a little romance. I did come home a virgin, in case anybody cares, but you probably don't. I do. I okay, do. well, there you go. Um, and you want to know why? Why? This is like the height of the AIDS epidemic, right? This is right. 1987 I moved to Australia. And things may have changed here while I was gone, but like I had to watch that crazy-ass documentary. Like, remember the shit that mom had us watch? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Die! But go run around with alligators and crocodiles. Three years. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. But I want to know. Like, did you ever cry? Oh yeah. yeah. No, I want to know about the boy. What's yeah. what's the deal with the boy? Oh, he's sweet. He's still alive. He's writing a book about all of this. Well, he should. Yeah, he should. Anyway, no, really one. super sweet guy. Um, I don't know. He's just but like, dude, I was like. 17 years old when I was done with all of this. So. What made you be done? Why did you decide? Oh, that's a great story. Okay. Okay. And then we'll finish there and then we'll ask you a million questions later. Okay. So this is actually, remember you said it doesn't have to be tied up with a bow. So yeah. I'm going to tie it up with a bow for you. Okay. okay. So I'm sitting at the dinner table at Jubilee Downs, which is the <laughs> neighboring station. And there's the head of the household who is the husband of uh, married to the wife. The wife is the daughter of the original station owner, right? So this dude married well. Yeah. There's not a lot of women. Oh, yeah. So there's not a lot of women in Australia, in that area. Like, the ratio of men to women is insanely nothing. Right. Right. So he's sitting at the head of the table, like, 12 o'clock, and I'm sitting sort of towards the bottom, but a little off to the side. And I'm looking at him, and I'm watching him, and I don't know at the time what's wrong with him, but I know now because I later went to nursing school. So um, he used to ride saddle bronc and bareback bronc because we had a rodeo every year, three-day rodeo every year, and a big rodeo ball. I was belly of the ball. In case you ever cared. Do not cover the entire champagne bottle in the back of the truck that you win for the rodeo ball queen. <laughs> don't cover the whole thing and take a drink. You have to leave some space because otherwise it comes out your nose. <laughs> I didn't know that. I had never had champagne before. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm watching the station owner of Jubilee Downs have little petite mall seizures <gasps> from hitting his head too many times. And I turn. Now I'm 17 now. I'm also covered in boils. And if you have never ridden a horse for 16 hours with boils and if they're all over your body, Why yes, do you they boil? are Why on do you your ass because I'm so malnourished. Remember, mom said oh, I came yeah. home looking like a concentration camp yes, victim on steroids. Why didn't they feed you? There's only meat and the bread that you make after you sift the weevils out. This was she's making this sound kind of cool, but it was torture. Yeah. My mother tortured her for okay. three years. So you sift the weevils out of the flour and you What make are weevils? Bugs? bugs? Weevils are bugs. bugs. You okay. can eat the bugs. No, you have plenty of protein. The problem yeah. is the vegetables. vegetables. So for about three years out three months out of the year you can grow some stuff and th that's it. No Did you can thing or pickle, pickle can and pickle? It's too hot. You'd can them, they explode. What do the aboriginals do? Are they just They eat witchetty grubs. <laughs> <laughs> they are genetically like they eat witchy drugs and they drink a lot first time looking back I, I didn't realize and I know now looking back that's fetal alcohol syndrome it's really sad but that's like a whole nother yeah. podcast okay, okay. so you see so anyway, petite mal so I'm watching him have petite mal seizures and I already know the story about her right so there was this big kerfuffle right scrumash whatever because she refused to leave the hospital after her, I don't remember which number baby was born, till she had her tubes tied. This which, is his wife. This is his wife. So his wife is not all that much older than I am, but she looks 40, uh -huh. and he looks 60. 
And I remember, like, this is a key, like, pivotal moment in my life. I'm sitting there, and they have air conditioning. <laughs> it's really great. We didn't have air conditioning. And we only had two movies, The Blues Brothers and The Gods Must Be Crazy. And there was a cockroach <laughs> smashed into the tape at one of them. So you had to eject it and, like, we peeled the cockroach off, but you had to hand advance the tape. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I look at them, and I look at her. And like there's any, I mean, any man would take, it doesn't matter if you like a wall-eyed and have no teeth, like you're, and I wasn't, like I'm not, like I'm not like, you know, Cindy Crawford. You're adorable. But I'm like, you know, I'm you okay, can. I'm a catch, right? <laughs> Even now, if you're, anyway. Okay, <laughs> so I, I remember looking at them and going, oh my God. I can't like do basic math, because I was like, homeschooled ish <laughs> I can read shit but I gotta get the hell out of here and I gotta go and I gotta get an education because otherwise I am going to be her in like five years right mm. and so I decided I had to leave Australia and so I scraped up what money I had and I had to listen to someone screaming and you don't know this i had to listen to someone screaming at me every single horse here is gonna die if you leave now my horses were my like my life these were my babies they're all gonna die it's like horrible guilt trip and i was like oh my god you guys like i'm like i i have to go now and so i um i have opportunities <laughs> i'm gonna go make an opportunity yeah so yeah. i scraped up some money and um i and i and i and i remember saying to one of the um writing letters to one of my friends who was here in the States. I'm not going to have enough money to do this. And she's like, it's okay. You can sleep in the airport. It's going to be okay. Anyway, so I came home from Australia with a handful of change. But $2, there's $2 coins and $1 coins. It wasn't all like, like I yeah. had some. Um, with a bag of change and um, a duffel bag and myself in 1991. And uh, here I am. A doctor. A doctor. Six a doctor. degrees later. Yeah. Not covered in boils. Yeah. Not. As a follow-up, I was very worried about her being raped or attacked. So we have a follow-up story. Okay, so I don't remember being scared then, but I, I remember being slightly nervous. So I, I mentioned the rodeo ball, right? So the rodeo ball is a three-day rodeo. And it, people here who know rodeos, you don't know, you know nothing. So we, they just, so rodeos here, those animals, the bucking bulls and the horse, they're bred that way, right? Mm -hmm. There, they just round up wild shit and like put it in a pen and you get on it. And, and the really sad thing is that sometimes they're so scared that they, they run into the fences, break their legs, and you have to shoot them. It's Aww. really sad. Anyway, but afterwards, <laughs> everybody has a party. It's really fun. <laughs> and people drink. People drink a lot in Australia. A lot. A lot. Like, in the morning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Emu export. In case you didn't know. The beer there. Um, so I remember very distinctly... I had very few clothing items, and I think I had one dress. I remember that it was white, um, which is a really bad idea in red dust. But anyway, so I remember <laughs> I had this white dress on, and I remember coming out of um, just been crowned, you know, rodeo ball, 
queen, queen of the rodeo ball, whatever. And I think this was year two, so I think I was 15. I feel like I was 15. Um, and I did have some protection. Occasionally there were normal people there, like every once in a while. So some years you were good to go, like the year Malone was there. Mm -hmm. I was good to go. It was okay, except for he didn't tell me how to drink champagne yeah. in the back of a truck. He likes to laugh about that now. Anyhow, I remember coming out of the bathroom and there was like this wall of miners. Mm. There's a lot of mines, right? They, go, they, they mine for stuff up there. But there's nothing to do. So anywhere that there's, they'll drive like 500 miles to come to this and there's nobody to meet. So I remember, you know, this wall and I don't remember all of the conversation, but I remember looking at this one guy who had propositioned me for something super inappropriate, I'm sure, and looking at him and saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm 15 years old. <laughs> and he was like so taken aback, like that there's just like this moment and then I was, I was was able to like the seas the the sea of men dispersed. parted for a moment and I went and but you must have had moments that you were afraid yeah I mean I, I had some moments but they were not um they weren't human moments they weren't with people mm. but yo well, they, were, they were not with people because I like I, I I think it's one of the blessings I mean Mary Jo could attest to this I'm not I'm not great with people like I'm a little <laughs> on the spectrum like I'm somewhere like like I don't always get it, like I don't always pick up on the cues. Like I'm the person you have to kick under the table, when like they're saying stuff and the friend of mom is going really, and I'm like yeah, what is wrong? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, and so I think sort of being a little bit oblivious was protection. I'm I'm sure that normal people who could like pick up on rapey would cues would like react but I don't or I maybe there were even things that you just weren't aware of that were there and oh you... human things that I was not aware of I mean there were creepy people that I had to try to that I would have to get away from I mean but but that but we had like that normal we had that at home <laughs> and I had the protection of being an outsider so there mm -hmm. when like the crypt was like what the fuck is wrong with you right and so then they'd go find one of the people born into it and there was one no protection <laughs> but I mean I was scared of things that were like scary like I remember one time I was up above um so we had these shoots a shoot so it's like a, this um like big logs close together like two fences really close together and so when you need to like deworm a horse do something to a semi-wild horse uh -huh. when you castrate horses you have to rope them and tie them down all four legs they're not like cattle but anyway yeah um, but anyway, so I was up on the top of the, of the chute and I was trying to inject penicillin, big, thick, you know, 18 gauge needle into a horse who had an infection and it freaked out and I was not very heavy and I fell into the chute. Um, I don't remember being scared at the time, but now looking back on it, I mean like hooves flying everywhere and like I rolled underneath the... I mean, I got, but nothing, nothing clearly nothing, nothing super crushable. But I mean, there were times, yeah, it was scary. Like you'd walk into, you know, you'd, you'd walk through somewhere and it'd be like this really poisonous snake and you'd have to like get out of the way and, <laughs> but not like human stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like animals. Like I remember one time one of my horses was gored and it would have been my leg, but it wasn't. It ended up being her side, mm -hmm. like took a big old like chunk at like. From a bull? It was actually the cows are worse. But they have wild horns. cow. 
Yeah, because if you didn't catch them early in life, they yeah. were big Females assholes. have horns? Oh, oh yeah. How do you, what do you do when you catch them early? Remember you cut them off, remember? I thought that was just the boys. No. I know. I know remember, I told you girls have three things done to them and boys have <laughs> All right. But you were distracted by the emasculators, yeah. and I can, I can cut you some slack yeah. on that one. I'm going to move on. All right. Because I could ask questions forever. Forever, I know. So what's interesting is what prompted this topic was I went to Australia for <gasps> work. Last week. Yeah, really? last week. Yeah. I was in Sydney. I had a very different experience there. <laughs> uh, obviously, I flew directly from LA to Sydney. It's a 14 hour and 45 minute flight. Uh, they love Americans, or they're fine with Americans because they're dealing with their own horrible guilt about all the things they did yeah. to Aborigines. And yeah. uh, there are a lot of there's a lot of stuff around that's about like this, there was this poster that said the Sundowner. What is he dreaming of? And it's about like what he's done and, you know, changing the flag and stealing, you know, the whole lost, stolen generation of... Yes, sundowner meaning a senior? Sundowner is just like a term for kind of surfer sun worshippers mm. in Australia. Okay. White uh, people, though. White people. Yeah. And just the mm-hmm. idea of what... But they are still... I think they don't... They don't 100% know what they did. Like, I, I saw the movie Rabbit Proof Fence, and mm-hmm. I knew that they had, you know been real assholes but they're kind of coming to terms with it they have a river and a mountain that's named after the n-word and they're having discussions about changing it like they're really dealing with some stuff wow because everything there is like it's like remember i told you it's like go back to the old like there's yeah, a time lapse there's because it's such a modern place but i think i think it's been very i think people look at their own shit and or they look at other people's stuff and they disassociate themselves. So it's like, oh, America has a racism problem. We don't, even though we totally came in and, you know, fucked over an indigenous but people. But they didn't come in. Well, some of them they, didn't. A lot of them didn't. Well, it was a pedo colony. Right, it's that, but then most of those, it, it's a weird place. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, this is actually not about Australia, though. Uh, so... <laughs> My first trip where I was paid to do something was when I went to New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mary Jo came to visit me when I was there. I did. Uh, it was for Puppet Up, which is the puppet improv show that I do. And uh, at the time, it was called Stuffed and Unstrung. And we were doing an off-Broadway show. We had it was this super exciting. Beautiful theater in New York. And it was so exciting. I think I was there for about three and a half months, maybe four. Um, they were putting us up. We were just... It, it was an absolute dream come true to live in New York, be paid to live there. We were there in the spring. We were performing uh, four nights a week, so we had three days just off to be in the city, and it was awesome. But the journey there was a horror show. <laughs> and not by any, not by anybody else's meat. Like, obviously, by comparison, it's it was the, the gentlest trip. But uh, by my standards, it was terrible. So... Uh, I'm going to New York. I'm going to be there for at least three months. So I, you bring everything. It's two giant suitcases of everything. So my sister drops me off at the airport. I get out. I run in. I have to pay for my bags because they're giant and, and um, very heavy. And I go into my purse and I don't have my wallet. And I was like, oh, no. And she's like, you. I was like, oh, I have my passport. I'm fine but I didn't have the ability to pay to check my bags. And I was like, oh shit, oh shit, I don't know where my wallet is. Um, I have a checkbook. 
<laughs> can I pay for this with a check? And she looks at me and says, like, let me go find out and, like, wanders away. Meanwhile, I call Jennifer, <laughs> who dropped me off, and Jen's like, okay, I'm going to loop back around. And uh, Jen loops back around. I run out, which you're not Did ever she allowed. she had your wallet? No. Oh. She gave me a credit card, just, oh. like, one of her credit cards. So, um, and, and the lady's not coming back. lady's not coming back. She finally comes back, and... She says, we can't take checks. And I said, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Now I have a credit card. She's like, well, now it's too late. You've missed the time where you can check your bag oh, on this flight. Oh, what a bitch. I know. And I was like, I have been standing here forever. I've been waiting for you. I had a form of payment. I had, a, a, like, a, a, a real form of payment. A check is... is yes. Is, and I had ID. You guys screwed me over. But you can't yell at people to make them do what you want. So, um, <laughs> as we have learned. I still haven't learned that. So, she's like, too bad. So, then it's like, oh, because I said, well, can I just check the bags on a different flight? No, you cannot fly on a plane without your bags. So, the idea is now I'm, I get delayed to a different flight because uh, I've missed my flight because I can't get on it. But I can check it onto a different flight. So, I get onto that plane which is only about 45 minutes after the flight I was supposed to get on. Um, and actually what was funny is I think even before I got on that plane, Jen called me and my purse, I mean, my wallet had fallen out of my purse under the seat. So it was just there. I had it. I wasn't crazy. So I get to um, some random airport between LA and New York uh, for a layover and I can't get on any flights. Like there's there are no flights they can get me on. Nothing's getting, getting me to New York. I'm sitting on the ground so stressed out and this woman had a uh, yellow lab service dog that like seeing eye dog that walked past me looked at me with its sad sad eyes and licked my face oh, <laughs> baby like it knew i was so sad and it's like i'm on the job but i'll give you a kiss <laughs> so it's they're panicking because i i need to be there the next day for a rehearsal and stuff so they the management company, production company of Stuff Down Strong slash Puppet Up says, fine, we're getting you a different flight on a different airline. But it's going to a different airport. Like originally I was supposed to go to Queens and I now I was in JFK or vice versa. So I go to the flight people from the original airline and I say, hey, um, I'm being transferred to a different plane. This is the deal. I know they've called you. Um, will my luggage be transferred to that flight? Yes, of course it will. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, really? Because, I mean, I was told I cannot fly without my bags. Like, that's a problem. That's why I couldn't even get on the flight. No, of course, you're right. Yes, yes, yes. So I get on this other plane, and I get in um, very late. I don't know, probably midnight or something like that. And if, I wait, and I wait, and I wait. Of course my bags aren't there. Because my bags went with the other flight. And right. my bags are in a completely different airport. Because right. apparently bags can fly without you to somewhere else. Yes, they can. <laughs> so, now it's like, okay, fine. Fuck the bags. Let's just get home. And I had bought, in the, the layover place, I was starving, and I bought a sandwich. And it was the shittiest sandwich oh, I've ever had in my worst. entire life. And I didn't eat it. Like, I ate, like, two bites, and I threw it away. And it was, like, a, it was, it's important to know it was a $5 sandwich. Yeah. So, I go to take a cab from the airport to where I'm supposed to stay. And at the, the, I can't, I think, I, let's just say I was at JFK. At JFK, if you want a cab, you go to this thing, this machine, and you put in your credit card, and it prints you a receipt, and then you go get a cab. 
what it is doing, it is pre-approving you for the amount of money it would take to get to the city. So the credit card isn't working. And it's not working, it's not working. So I call Jennifer and she calls the credit card company and it turns out I need $60 worth of credit to get from the airport to the city. Oh, no. And I have $55. Oh, <laughs> if I had that shitty sandwich, oh, I'd have God. it. So then she calls her credit card and gets them to extend the credit limit like 10 more dollars. So then I get the thing. Oh, and it's the middle of the night. It's the middle of the night. Then I get into the city. Patrick Bristow, who had the key to my apartment, meets me at like 1.30 in the morning. I get it. Um, I get into the thing. I have no clothes. I have nothing. Um, and I don't have any money either. Like, I have no ability to buy clothes or anything. Jennifer manages to FedEx me my wallet like overnight. It gets to me. But the bag, I can't get my fucking bag. And I'm calling them and they're all the stuff and it's whatever. And I finally get so fed up and the second I have my credit card, so I think I waited a day. I went a whole day with, and people loaned me money. People were lovely and I think I got a toothbrush and toothpaste and some shampoo and some conditioner so I could like clean myself. And then I just paid $60 to take a cab to the airport. <sighs> to what My bag was just sitting there. It was just sitting there. And I grabbed it. No one checked it. Nothing. Just grabbed my bags, got on the cab back, and then and they... On the carousel still? No, it was just like in a pile with the like lost luggage oh, thing. Right. And nobody polices it. Like, you yeah. can just walk in and get anything. So wow. I I get my bags. I leave. I get stalked by the baggage claim people after that. But I was like, screw you. You wouldn't get back to me. I screamed at you. You guys fucked me over. And you wouldn't let me on a plane for the very reason I couldn't get my bags. In the first place. Like, right. you're liars. But anyway, so I have this lovely time in New York. I have <laughs> I'm having a great time. But, like true actor problems, I had filmed a show right before I'd gone there, and I had to go back. No, I, I had to go back to film a show for two weeks. So the show sends a town car to pick me up. Lovely. I get in the town car. It's, lo <laughs> it's luxurious and delightful. A half a block later, there's a weird noise. It's like, what's that? Uh, Gets out of his car. Oh, nothing, whatever. We drive. And then it's clear he has a flat tire. He rolled over something, popped his tire, he has a flat tire. Um, we're on the freeway. <sighs> so a uh, tow truck pulls over, one of those big ones, and the guy doesn't want the tow truck to help him, and it's like a weird thing, but the tow truck basically helps him change the tire. And time is just ticking away and ticking away. And I just had the most traumatic plane experience I've ever had. So I'm just like, oh, God, I'm going to be late. I'm going to miss flight. <laughs> and they change the tire. We get back in the car and we start driving. And then I look to my side because the tire that popped was me, the left-hand side of the back of the car. And there's just smoke coming up. Oh, God. So the spare tire caught on fire. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, what's happening? It's on fire. What's happening? So he pulls off. And oh, by the way, shit. when he had the flat tire and now with the, the flaming tire, he kept saying he was calling his brother, who's also a driver, who's going to come in a car and get me. And this never happens. And now I'm just like, I've had it. I've had it. Are you still on the freeway? No, we pulled off to some random road. So I'm like, okay, I got, I, I can't, I can't. And I get out of the car and I, you know, there's town cars everywhere in New York. It's crazy. So I just see a black car that looks like a town car. Gypsy cash, they're called. Yeah, no. Uh, and by the way, <laughs> you said you said sitting Indian, which I have to like 
apologize to our audience because you're not supposed to say that. And you're not supposed to say gypsy cabs. I'm sorry. I'm saying Indian style. Anyway, so... Um, the, what am I supposed to say? Cross-legged? Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Cross-legged yeah. is when you cross your legs. No. no sitting sitting cross-legged. Crisscross applesauce. Crisscross applesauce. Yeah. Sitting pepperoni style. pizza. Uh, anyway, so I flagged down a black town car. Damn it. They can't say Indian style. You can't. No. You have to say crisscross applesauce. <sighs> so I flagged down a town car. The guy pulls over and... Um, I'm like, hey, can you take me to the airport? And he's like, yeah, sure, or whatever. I was like, okay. So um, I start to get my bag out, and the dude who's driving me is like, well, okay, well, now you have to pay me. <gasps> and I said, no, I don't have to pay you. The corporation or whatever booked you. They paid you. Fuck you. <laughs> and he's trying to kind of negotiate with me, and I just grab my shit. Like, and I'm like, I don't think I said, you fucked me over, but I was just like... This is the only time where I get weirdly mad and because normally I'm like, oh, I'm so, eh. but I just grab my stuff and put it in this guy's car. So we get in the car and we're driving away. And I said, okay, so I'll call, I'm going to call the people who booked them. Because also at this time I'm calling the people who booked to be like, this is what's happening. I call the people who booked him. Oh, I said, I'll call those people and they're going to pay you. The guy's like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this through like a company. Right. He wants the money. The money. Um, which is also another thing of like, I just got into some dude's car. Yes. Like I yeah. flagged a dude down. Who's like, I just now I thought that's super dangerous, but I didn't think of it at the time. It's like, he's in a black town car. He's wearing a cheap suit. He must be a driver. So he said, no. And I said, okay, how much will it be? And I think it was like the magic number. It was like $60 and I didn't have enough cash on me. And I said, okay. How about a check? How about yeah, my checkbook. It's full circle. I said, "Are there ATMs at the airport?" He said, "Yes." I said, "I will leave my bags in your car. I will run in oh, to the God, ATM, so get money, and get it." So he gets me to the airport. I run in, leave my bags in the car, get him his cash, hand him his cash. He prints me some bullshit receipt that I can get reimbursed with, and I go in. So it's just the most stressful, oh. like, bookend of something. Hey, and you're trying not to miss a flight. I know. And I, you know what, I, what it's dumb is I should have been like, hey, they're paying for this and they fucked it up and this guy's crazy and all. And I didn't have to be at L.A. exactly when the flight landed. Like, that would have been the night and I would have been there in the morning. And it was still like a rehearsal week. Like, it's their fuck up. I could have not stressed. But I did because I hate being late and I, I like being, you know, dependable. Not like the boat tours guy. So I, um, but this is the part of it that makes me insane is this guy Tyler, who was also working on Puppet Up and was also working on the show. When I walk into the airport, there's basically like an airport bar right by our terminal. And he's just sitting there at this bar, like Finishing a burger. Like, you know how when, like, someone in a movie has, like, a napkin that they're dabbing at their whatever? A serviette. Yeah, just a a a serviette. serviette. (laughs) Just disgustingly, like, dabbing and finishing off, like, a tall beer and pushing his plate of, you know, Wagyu Australian beef (laughs) burger away. (laughs) And I was just like, what? And he was just like, yeah, I got here a while ago. I didn't have any problems. Just this sumptuous person with like a ponytail. And, <laughs> oh, I know who he is. Yeah, and he likes to wear eyeliner on stage because it makes his eyes pop. And I was just like, fuck you. You're like, time at the airport with your meal and your beer. And I just like, I was in a car that was on fire. And I had to flag down a man off the side of the road and run in to get cash. 
Anyway, so that, and then actually what was funny was, I forgot about this, when we were back for that, I had a seizure oh. right before we came back to go back to New York. And so on that flight back, I had the JetBlue like slightly more seat uh, room so that they still have that, the tray table still comes from the seat in front of you. Um, but there's enough room where you can actually sleep on it like mm. you'd sleep on a desk in school. And they very handsome, semi-pro, like, soccer player was sitting next to me because he was also very tall and needed that seat. And he, like, I took a pill because I'd taken a, had a seizure and I just needed a pill to sleep. Passed out. I woke up to him, like, staring at me and was like, well, you, like, took a pill or whatever. And then he was talking to me and I wasn't computing what was happening. And our friend Brian Clark uh because the guy said, oh, you're in a show, that's interesting. And I said, yeah, Brian, do you have a, a flyer or something? And Brian's like, no, but you have a phone number, which was like, <laughs> give him <laughs> your phone number. Yeah, you dum-dum. And what was like, the thing about this guy was, it wasn't even just like he was like cute for a dude or cute for a soccer player. Like he was legit, very good looking, taller than me, and like thick, like built. And... What was funny is afterwards, Brian. yeah, and that guy did like meet us out and kind of hit on me, but I blew it because I just don't know how to do that stuff. But anyway, what was funny is I said to Brian, like, what was the deal though? Like, I did I look like cute sleeping? And Brian's like, no, no, of course not. You looked, you looked rough. <laughs> <laughs> so that guy loved me just for me, <laughs> and that's my story. Yay! He loved you. <laughs> never really happened, but it could have been intense. Oh, All right. Uh, well, check. Where can people find you? People can find me uh, mainly on Instagram, but I'm at tchickphoto on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. A regular photo? F-O-T-O? What is it? P-H-O-T-O. Okay. photo. Are you on any social media? You don't have to be. I... Do I want people to find me? Why not? Why not? Oh, okay. Well, um, sure. I mean, I don't know, like, my addressy things. I mean, I, there's not a lot of Barbara Ablings in the world. So, yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook. You can friend me or something. I'm on Twitter, no, but I don't, don't know my Twitter. weirdos friending you. I know. That's why you come on, you guys. It's I don't know. It's a projecting if it's a Instagram It's a Twitter thing. No, I don't have, I know. You I, on Instagram? I don't like people. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, then no. 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 You have to, you have to know me. <laughs> All right. Like, for real. Ian. <laughs> Ian screams. Okay. Everywhere. On everything. I'm at Colleen Smee on Twitter. Two L's, two E's. Colleen Marie Smee on Instagram. Mary Jo. At Mary Jo LA on Twitter. Mary Jo underscore LA Instagram. Mary Jo Smith on Facebook. It's Public Help Yourself. We are My First Time Podcast. Podcast and first are spelled out mm-hmm. on uh, on Facebook. Facebook and our website, website. is that pl- but dot net, dot not net. dot com. Dot net. Um, we're getting better about our Instagram and our Twitter. Thanks to you. Yeah. Well, actually, it's more we need to. Uh, it doesn't matter. That's, that's, we'll get it's the, a private meeting. Side, side uh, thank you so much. Happy. What month will it be? This will be August 1st. Yeah, happy August. August 1st. Enjoy the heat the wave. Sizzling Enjoy heat. the heat wave. Having a heat wave. Having a heat wave. Tropical heat wave. Yeah.